Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Proverbs 29, verse number 25. We started a series last week called Breaking the Cycle. And we talked last week about some some cycles in our life that we have to break in order to become everything God's called us to become. Remember last week we talked about breaking the cycle of trying to control everybody else in our life. Amen. That one hurt, didn't it? I told you, cheer up, it gets worse, man. Um, But I I think I've got something this morning that's going to empower you, that's going to help you. Proverbs 29, verse number 25. I'm going to read one verse. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts the Lord shall be safe. The fear of man brings a snare, but whosoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. This morning we're going to talk about breaking the cycle of trying to please everybody in your life. Can I get a hallelujah followed by a hallelujah from somebody? Now, last week, if you remember, I started off by, by teaching that a lot of times we believe what we are dealing with are problems, but we're not really actually dealing with problems. We are dealing with patterns. It is the patterns in our lives that have created the problems that we're dealing with most of the time. <clears throat> There's a unique story in the Bible, and this story always bothered me for years and years. You remember the story in the Bible where the woman from Tyre and Sidon brought her daughter who was demon-possessed, and Jesus looks at her, and he says, I'm not going to heal her because it is not fit for, for them to eat from the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Do you remember that story? Yeah. Y'all remember that story? I believe it's in Matthew chapter number 22, perhaps. I could be wrong. But y'all remember that story? that he, She's bringing her daughter to Jesus to be healed, and when she cries out to Jesus, Jesus' first response is he completely ignores her. What? Do you, do, you, do you know how many times in the Bible Jesus just flat ignores people? You ever felt like God was ignoring you? I'm going to, I'm talking, I got to wake somebody up this morning. You ever felt like God was ignoring you? You ever beat on the gates of heaven to have heaven still not open? You ever felt like God was ignoring you? You remember the time that Bartimaeus was sitting on the highway side begging, crying out to Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me, son of David, have mercy on me. And the disciples look at him and they say, hold your peace. That's King James 4, shut up. And do you know what Jesus does? He keeps walking. What kind of a God looks at a man that is blind when you have the power to heal him? And the Bible said he began to cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus did nothing in response. You cannot just read the Bible. You got to read the Bible. You got to get up in it. And then I found, I studied it one day and I was reading this story about Bartimaeus. I said, Jesus, why did you ignore this man? You had the power to heal him. I thought your whole purpose in even showing up was to heal people like Bartimaeus. And he said, read the story again. So I read it again. He began to cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, I still don't see it. Read it again. He began to cry out. He began to cry out. He be- and then it dawned on me. The reason Jesus ignored Bartimaeus when he began to cry out is because Jesus knows everybody begins at some point. It's not how flashy you start. It's how passionate you finish. Let's be honest. If everybody that you and I know that started off serving God were still serving God, we wouldn't be able to keep them in this building. It is not how flashy you start. It's do you have the fire to finish. He began to cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus ignores him because everybody gives me one of those first prayers. 
See, you can't really tell who's serving God in here on Sunday morning because when the music's good and when Brandon and Emily and Taylor are singing and everybody's swaying and doing their thing, everybody looks like they're serving God. Everybody begins to cry out at that moment. But I want to know, do you still have that prayer down in your belly all week long? Is there still something coming out of you on Tuesday and on Thursday and on Saturday morning? You began to cry out, son of David. Have mercy on me. I grew, we, I grew up preaching at the ramp where we have all these youth conferences, and you have all of these young people that get real emotional, deeply emotional when God starts touching them, and they run down to the front, and they're saying, that's it, I'm going to serve God for the rest of my life. Right? I'm going to grow my hair out long like a Nazarite. I'm going to get tattoos, and I'm going to cut off everything. I'm going to get rid of my phone. I have, watched, I have watched people respond to an altar call in a moment of emotion, walk up there and throw their cell phone at the altar and say, Jesus, I'm serving you for the rest of my life. And then after service over, they go back and pick it up. I've seen, I've seen people go up there and throw cigarettes on the altar, just throw it down and throw hands up. Jesus, I'm yours forever. Music ends. They're like, okay. Because because everybody begins to cry out. The only way I can really measure your passion, it's not how loud you start at the beginning. It's really how long does it last. Are you still going to be going after God a week from now? Are you still be going to be going after God a month from now? And a year from now, is this church still going to be believing God for revival to sweep through our city? Five years from now, are we still going to be saying, God, we need your glory to come? Are we just going to become another church? Are we going to just become another country club that we call a church? Preach, white boy, preach. Hmm? Everybody begins to cry out, son of David, have mercy on me. So I remember reading this story about this woman, and she brings her daughter to Jesus, the son of God, always moved with compassion, seeing this daughter who needs deliverance. And then when the woman begins to ask Jesus, will you touch my daughter, will you touch my daughter, Jesus ignores her. I'm thinking, that's a problem. Then she won't leave Jesus alone. After he ignores her, then he insults her. The dogs don't eat from the crumbs. <coughs> that fall from the master's table. Thinking, what? Jesus, you can't be going around to calling people dogs now. You can't be doing that. You're going to get yourself killed. <laughs> but the woman kept coming. And then it dawned on me, I know exactly what Jesus was doing. Jesus was not trying to solve the problem Jesus was trying to process the pattern because if he fixed the daughter but didn't fix the mother, the daughter would end up where he just delivered her from. And a lot of times we come to God in prayer wanting God to pull us out of something but not wanting God to change something down on the inside of us. We spend our lives asking God to change it when God is really wanting to process me and you. Is there anybody in here this morning? We want God to do at an altar what we won't let God do Monday through Saturday. Oh, hallelujah. We want God to do a miracle in our marriage, but we don't want God to get a hold of our temper. I'm trying, I'm trying. Where are you at? Cheryl will amen me, right? Cheryl, come on, I'm preaching right. We, we want God to fix our marriage, but we won't let God have control of our tongue. 
because after all, I am justified in saying what I want to say. And yeah, I lashed out at him, but after all, it was the truth. And as long as you do that, you're never going to get your miracle. Because most of the time, we're asking God for, to deliver us out of something that we created. And if he pulls us out of it, but does not process us, we will turn around and in no time recreate the problem he just pulled us out of. How many times you paid off that credit card? Oh, dang. How many times you paid off that credit card? All the single ladies, all the single ladies, put your hands up, don't put your hands up. How many times have you given that man a chance? Because after all, God's a redeemer. We Christianize our dysfunction. We label our dysfunction with all these biblical terms and all these biblical ideas, right? We call control love. Right? I've seen people try to control other people. I've seen it happen, and they do it from the motive of, well, it's just because I love you and I want the best for you. That still doesn't make it okay. Right? We call enmeshed, dysfunctional families, they're just close. You can call it that if you want. Right? We Christianize our dysfunction. We Christianize our dysfunction. We call our sin demonic, when really it's flesh. And we want God to deliver us from something that he commanded us to crucify. You don't crucify demons, but you don't cast out flesh. You got to get that stuff under control. So we Christianize all of our dysfunction. And a lot of times we want God to deliver us from something God's wanting us to grow out of. God's wanting us to grow. Are y'all with me this morning? So, told you last week, <coughs> we need to repent over trying to control everybody else in our life, right? Because we know, we, we believe that we know what God's will for them is because after all, it's what I want for them. And if it's what I want for them, the Bible said, the light of the Lord, he gives you desires of your heart. And if it's what I want for them, then it must be what God wants for them. That's not how the verse works. You ever heard people use the verse, delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart as a license to believe God for their own fleshly ambitions? Are y'all with me? Is this okay? This is what you came for, right? I can tell some jokes or something if we want to do something else. So we use it to, we use it to carnalize. We use it to spiritualize our carnal ambitions. Well, the, I, I've, I've seen this happen. I've seen this happen with people. I've seen this happen, I've seen this happen between parent and adult child. When the adult child is acting in a way that the parent does not like, this is what the parent will say to him. It's okay, me and God been talking about it. Like, like you and God are ganging up. God's not a gossip, number one. You ever had somebody walk up to you that barely knows you and say, God's been speaking to me about you? Really? Has he really? God doesn't gossip like the church does. <coughs> God's not walking around talking to you about me. And God's not walking around talking to me about you. People come up, they think as a leader, I'm supposed to know God's plan for everybody's life. I don't know. <laughs> Pastor, what do you think? I, 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 I'm trying to figure out God's plan for my own life. I ain't got time to concern myself. God, is it, can, I get, can I get real vulnerable? Maybe I should be a better pastor and say, this is what God wants you to do. Maybe that's what I should do. Or maybe we should challenge people to go get on their face and view, find out what God wants you to do for it. And then a pastor is there to say, here, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm here to help you accomplish everything God called you to accomplish, right? I grew up in a church system that was very heavy-handed, right, where they would look at you and say, that is not God's will for your life. And by God, if you do it, you're in rebellion.
again. You remember the story about core of the earth opening up the whole bid that she, I remember back in the RSM days when I was teaching these Bible college students, they would come, they would, okay, I got to back off because now I'm getting angry. They, they would come up to me and they'd say, Pastor, this was at the, they would be graduating their first year. They would be thinking about going into a second year of Bible college. They would come up to me and they'd say, now, Pastor, I need you to do something for me. I need you. They were serious as a heart attack. I need you to go ask God to give you a dream as to whether or not I'm supposed to come back. There are 200 students there. See, whether or not I'm supposed to come back. What? <laughs> what? You want me to tell you why we've created that culture in the church? Because we like codependency. We like being codependent upon leaders that will tell us each and every step to take because then it alleviates us from the responsibility of having to go get before God ourselves. And then insecure leaders, listen, insecure leaders like a codependent culture because then you will always need me. You hearing what I'm saying? Then you will always need me. I've had friends that were so that were so trapped in this, they couldn't even go order a hamburger unless they got their blessing from their pastor. Man, you got problems. I have had pastor friends that made their children call them pastor. You got problems. I was at home one time. I was, I was cleaning out a closet, and my, my oldest daughter's here. She's down here in the front just taking notes on everything daddy's preaching because she loves it when daddy yells and preaches. And I was cleaning out a closet one time. She said, hey, daddy, and, and I, you, you know as a parent when you hear them, but you're like desensitized at this point. And unless it has a certain tone about it, it never happened. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And she's like, hey, daddy. And I was like, it, it registered, but then it was dismissed. It filtered through the system. She's not broken a bone. So, then, hey, daddy. Hey, daddy. I know she's increasing the tone, but still. She went, Pastor Casey. I went, I said, don't you ever call me Pastor Casey again. She said, got your attention, didn't I? <laughs> just like her mama. Her mama's not here today. Just like her mama. No, I'm teasing. Better take that off the thing. <laughs> so we try to control everybody. Else. Here's, a, here's the second step that I want to give you, the next cycle that we need to break. We have to break forever. This is going to set you free. We have to break forever trying to please everybody in our life. If you are ever going to do and become everything God's called you to do and become, you have to forever get set free from what everybody thinks about you. The fear of man is a snare. You have to forever get set free. I have seen this in grown adults, 50 and 60 years old, who still cannot make a decision because mama, who's been dead 25 years, wouldn't even like it. I am, come on, somebody, I am telling the truth. Because we've allowed people to control us for so long, what we do is we internalize the inner critic. And so I have seen people be controlled by loved ones from the grave because they've internalized that voice. And now, well, I can't make that decision because this person wouldn't like it. I can't make that decision because that person wouldn't like it. And, and let's be honest. Let's, can, can we get real plain? Family members are really great at putting you on guilt trips. 
They're travel agents for guilt trips. And they will say things like this. I cannot believe you did. We had, we had some people that when we moved up here, some, some, some dear family of ours, I cannot believe you're going to do that. Obey God. I cannot believe you're going to go do that. Here, here, here's, here's, here's the kicker. Here's the line. You ready for the line? Here's the line. After everything I've done for you. I'm sorry. I was stupid enough to believe you did it out of the goodness of your heart. I didn't know all these strings were attached or I never would have let you do it for me. You hearing what I'm saying? After all I've done for you. This is what they say. You're going to do this to me. And you have to tell them, I'm not doing this to you. I'm doing this for us. And there are some things I do and do not do out of respect for others. And there are some things that I do or don't do out of respect for myself. If you want to become what God's called you to become, you have to forever get set free from the opinions of other people. Because they will make you crazy if you let them. Can't do enough. Church people are the worst, boy, I tell you. I tell you. I've seen churches split because they couldn't decide on which pulpit they were going to use. One wanted a metal one, one wanted a wooden one. So the ones that wanted the wooden one split the church and went down the street and started a new church with a wooden pulpit. Because by God, just cause. If you try to please everybody, you're going to spit, you are going to lose completely your, your entire sense of who you are and what you're about. Because who you are and what you're about got lost in the shuffle of what everybody else expected and demanded of you. You hearing what I'm saying? I don't want to get to the end of my life and think I did a good job fulfilling everybody else's purpose for me. I don't want to be 60 looking in the mirror still trying to figure out what am I about? You hearing what I'm saying? And it happens a drip at a time, a conversation at a time, a secret hidden manipulation at a time where we're trying to please everybody else. Let me give you a little clue. The people in your life that are hardest to please are the most selfish people in your life because they only want you to do what is best for them, not what is best for you. Somebody that really loves you will say, if this is what is in your heart, I am here to be your biggest cheerleader and say, go do everything that God's called you to do. You have to learn the difference in your life between what you're doing to others and what you're doing for self. Now, 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 with that, with that being said, with that being said, because I've, I've preached stuff like this before, and people will come up to me after service and be like, man, that was good. That's so good. Because I've been going off on Facebook and people have been responding, not liking what I said, but bless God, I ain't trying to please everybody. That's not what I'm talking about. Keyboard warrior, that's not what I'm talking about. Being persecuted for righteousness sake because I'm taking a stand. There's a difference between being persecuted for righteousness sake and being persecuted for obnoxious sake. It's noble to be persecuted for righteousness. It's annoying 
if being persecuted for obnoxiousness. Hear what I'm saying? You got to be careful. Let me me say it this way. Every decision you make, look at me, every decision you make in your life is going to divide. Period. Every decision you make in your life is going to tick somebody off. Are are y'all, have y'all embraced, have you wrapped your arms around that reality? Whatever I say is going to hack somebody off. Especially in our culture today where people are addicted to outrage. And the entire purpose of our culture today is to see who can race to the moral high ground of being a victim the fastest. Oh, man. Push back, push back. I ain't going to please everybody. Here we go. Have you wrapped your arms around the fact that every decision you make is going to tick somebody off? Listen, I, I like to use this illustration. It is a jungle out there. Welcome to the jungle. We might play that in worship next week. Welcome. It's a joke. Calm down. All the holy people got mad. I was kidding. (coughs) Paul's like, bring it. It's a jungle out there. You operate in a number of different jungles, actually. You operate in your work jungle. And let's be honest, it's full of all kinds of creatures, animalistic beasts. Then you have your church jungle. Then you got your Facebook jungle. I don't even know if jungle's a big enough term. Okay, galaxy, (laughs) alternate universe. Okay, you have all these different jungles. And in these different jungles, there are different predators. And in these different jungles, there are different rules. There are different rules at church than there are at work. And different rules at work than there are at fam- with family. Okay? You say things to family, you'd never say to somebody at work. You say things to your spouse, you'd never say to a friend. Because you're afraid you'd lose the friendship. But the spouse, I mean, well, all your stuff's here, you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> right? have these different jungles. And what gets you an amen in one jungle gets you a crucify him in another jungle. What gets you a shout gets you an attack. So you have to figure out which jungle am I going to try to speak to? Who am I going to tick off who, if, if every decision I make is going to divide, then I need to pre-decide who it is that I want on my team. Right. Absolutely. For example, if, if my wife were here in front of people, she's always going to be right as far as I'm concerned because she's on my team. Now, we might go home and I'll be like, what are you thinking? But in front of people, she's on my team. I will make her look right. You ran over somebody in the parking lot? Well, he should have got out of the way. It wasn't his fault. Now, at home, I'll be like, why are you running over people? In, you can't run over the church people in the parking lot, sweetheart. <laughs> but in front of people, you got to make a decision. Who, who's going to be left 
on my team because you cannot please everybody. Now, I'm going to drop a word on you right now that's going to be the most empowering, liberating word you have ever experienced. When I say it, I just want you to drink it in like water from the rock that Moses hit in the desert. The word is this, boundaries. Most of the craziness happening in our lives is because we do not know how to set and establish and reinforce the right boundaries. A boundary is an invisible line where you end and where I begin. You hear what I'm saying? A boundary is where I mark off this is how far you can come and no further. And there are people in our lives that we are constantly trying to please that are always violating our boundaries. Oh, hallelujah. Are y'all with me? Are y'all with me? I'm, I'm going to give you another word that's going to set you free. You need to incorporate this into your everyday life. Are you ready? Here's the word. No. On the count of three, say it with me. One, two, three. One more time. Isn't that empowering? But what do you do when that manipulative family member has tears streaming down their cheeks talking about, I raised you from a baby. I laid hands on you and prayed for you and I changed your diaper and you're doing this to me and I'm wanting you to move back home and live in my basement till you're 85. What are you going to say? Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Or when you and your spouse are in an argument and you have one spouse that is power hungry, so they're always trying to take all of the decision-making power away from you, what are you going to say? No. no. <laughs> I saw some sass from some women on that one. You're like, no, sir. <laughs> Doing that white girl thing. No. We, listen, we need to repent today for making everybody else's opinion our idol instead of God's opinion being our pursuit. We make other people's opinions idolatrous. So we wear what we think they'll like and we say what they think we'll like and we act how they think we should act and we do what they think we should do. And my God, we even drive what, they, what we think they should want us to drive. You pull up at a red light driving a car you cannot afford just to please people you don't even know. My mother-in-law the other day, she went to buy a, new, a brand new car. It's an expensive car. She can afford it, glory to God. She went to buy this car and this guy, the, guy that, the, guy, the salesman, he was like 22, Right? And he was like selling her hard, selling her hard. And he made this statement. He said, you know what? When you pull up to a red light in this thing, you just feel better about yourself. If your self-esteem is so fragile that it is wrapped up in a hunk of bolts that just depreciated $15,000. So when you pull up to a red light, somebody driving a Ford Taurus can look over at you and you can feel superior to them. You've got a problem. 
but we get trapped in this idolatry of everybody else's opinion. So we do everything that we have to do to make sure everybody approves and gives us a wink and a nod at every decision that we're going to make. And I'm telling you today, if you do that, you will never do what God's called you to do. Because sometimes the very thing God calls you, calls you to do flies in the face of popular opinion. Jesus was not popular. Jesus was hated. Jesus was despised. People were so frustrated at Jesus. Even Jesus' own disciples were so frustrated saying, you cannot go around talking like that. You cannot go in the temple kicking stuff over. You can't do it. But he did not, he was never gripped by what they thought about him. He was never gripped by trying to appease a religious community. I'm telling you right now, pastors all over America, they are gripped by the opinions of people. They are gripped by the opinions of what church people who don't really want to get challenged too much and they don't want church to last too long and you better have me some coffee in a good kid's environment. They are gripped by this. They're saying, I cannot stand up and really say what God's put on my heart because then they might not come back. Or maybe you should get up and say whatever God told you to say and walk off the platform and leave the results to God. Can I get a witness from somebody? And maybe you should go through your life saying, I'm going to obey God if it hair lips my entire family, if it ticks off everybody at work, and if the people at church start talking bad about me, I'm still going to do what God's called me to do. Somebody shout hallelujah. Stand up on your feet. You with me? Are y'all with me this morning? Come on, I need to hear you. Are you with me this morning? I'm going to do what God told me to do. Is anybody with me? I'm going to do what God told me to do. If it hacks people off, well, then it just ticks them off. But I'm going to do what God told me to do. Because one day when I stand before God, it's not going to be me and you standing there together trying to explain the situation away. It's going to be me looking at him. And it's going to be you looking at him. And my best friends are not going to be there. And my kids and my wife ain't going to be there. And my church ain't going to be there. It's going to be me and him. And it's going to be you and him. You hearing what I'm saying? But if, I, but if I change allowing people to control me, they may, you may say, what I hate, what I, this culture that I hate in the church, people that are easily controlled, that live their lives to please other people, everybody loves them. And they start talking about they're such a martyr, they're such a good person. Oh, I just love being around. You love being around them because you can control them. Right? It takes a strong person to handle another strong person. It doesn't take a strong person to handle a weak person. <laughs> I'm going to obey God. I'm going to do what God told me to do. I've got a friend who pastors a gigantic church. Gigantic church. Thousands. When he was younger, he got into some debt. Credit card debt. This, this just so touched me when I saw it. His church is huge, huge. And, and this is, this is a, a natural example, but, but it, 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 it relates the point. It relates the point. I went to his church one day, and he was telling me he got turned on to Dave Ramsey, right? Dave Ramsey. I love Dave. Dave's my guy. And he got turned on to Dave Ramsey and said, 
He had this big, gigantic, beautiful truck. I don't even want to know what the payment was. I, would, I, I wouldn't be able to breathe if he told me what the payment was. The best car I've ever drove was the one that didn't have a payment connected to it. And he sold his truck. And he's a big dude. He's a big guy. He's, he's taller than me. He's just a big guy. And uh, athletic, just big and stocky. And he bought him a little Honda Civic. He's like, like Shaquille O'Neal. I said, man, what are you doing? He said, I'm coming out of this, and I'm never going back to home about debt. He said, I'm, I'm breaking this pattern off of my family forever. I said, that's awesome. He pulls up to his big church filled with doctors and lawyers and business owners and accountants, one Beamer after another, after another, one Mercedes after another, after another, his dream truck here and there, just one after another, after another, and there he comes up in his little Civic. And you know what? He didn't care. You know what else? Those people didn't care either. Because he said, I'm breaking a pattern. And when they all talk, if they all talk, they can talk. But for me and my house, I'm breaking a pattern and I'm turning this around forever. <laughs> what decisions would you make if you were completely free from the fear of other people? I want you to think about that. What decisions would you make if you were not afraid of the backlash that you would receive after you made it? Then that's probably the very decision you need to make. Now, whatever decision it is, you've got to live with the consequences of it. But what would you do if you were really truly free from pleasing everybody else? Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, we repent today for making other people's opinions our idols. I want somebody to pray that with me. Father, we repent today for making other people's opinions our idols. We have exalted what they think above what you think. And God, today we ask that it is broken out of our lives forever. We will never again make another decision based on the fear of somebody's disapproval. The fear of somebody's disapproval who does not have to live with the fruit of that decision that we're making. Father, I declare today we repent. I declare today we break the snare of the fear of man out of our lives forever. Can somebody agree with me for that? We break the snare of the fear of man out of our lives forever. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.